Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Movie Critic. I'm Spling. This week we are talking about Netflix's top 10 most watched originals. And uh, just to kind of give you the idea here, it's for the views in the first four weeks. And by views, they mean even if someone just clicked on that title and watched for a few seconds, that still counts. So if you didn't manage to get to the end of a film like The Irishman, and you only managed to get a few minutes in, well, that counts. So at the top, uh, well, maybe we'd start with reverse order. Um, number 10, The Perfect Date. Now, um, Netflix is uh, obviously priding themselves on their original movies, and they also have been in a place where they've been spending a lot of money on getting a lot of original content so that they actually hold the complete license to that content. So it's been an important window. It's not just to kind of create filler, even though a lot of their films are kind of middling. It's to at least have something if all of their um, licenses were to revert back to the um, originators so that, uh, you know, you want to be subscribed to something. And uh, it's maybe just a fallback guarantee that after a couple of years of uh, um, a license possibly expiring to, to house that content, um, and also with a lot of other providers prov providing their own streaming content that they'll have something to actually show you. So The Perfect Date, it's a rom-com and it's all about a guy who uh, is realizing that he can actually create an app to become like a professional boyfriend. And uh, obviously there's uh, an interesting kind of aspect there with the idea that there's an app for everything and uh, also that that uh, entrepreneurial spirit. Um, so, you know, there's some similar films out there. It's not the greatest film, but obviously rom-coms are quite a win. And uh, this one in particular sort of made it onto the top 10. So at number nine, The Platform. I still have to see this, and uh, I believe it's an excellent horror film. And uh, I think it's quite interesting because I think this one had about 56 million views. And it's one of those titles that uh, I think it's based on a foreign film. It is a foreign film with subtitles, uh, which is even more impressive for it even cracking the top 10. But beyond that, the idea that uh, the concept and the quality of the film was so good that it actually managed to spread like wildfire. And I'm sure that they had some kind of substantial marketing push behind it. But uh, this one really has kind of um, won against the odds and uh, works on a number of levels. <laughs> I still need to see it, so I've kind of um, got that on the short-term bucket list. At number eight, The Wrong Missy. Now, I think everyone wants a David Spade comeback because, uh, you know, he's been around, he's part of Hollywood history, he's had some interesting outings um, as Joe Dirt and also as uh, a sidekick in Black Sheep, and he's really just taken it to town uh, and you know we just see him all over the place and he's always doing these bit characters he was great in just shoot me the tv series and uh, unfortunately the wrong missy is not the movie that uh, was going to signal his comeback it is showing that um, he's got some some capital in terms of his his name and uh, the idea you know there was potential but uh, i must say after a few minutes of watching this one it was just a bit um, a bit too much to actually continue. I really wanted it to be a great film, 
but I think they kind of overplayed their hand there and uh, just kind of lost me. At number seven, Triple Frontier. It's the guy from The Office, and he's huge. Um, John Krasinski is now very much a part of the Hollywood machine with uh, films like A Quiet Place and a sequel coming out. And uh, yeah, this one is uh, one of those ones I was kind of surprised to see because uh, I think, I suppose, you know, you've got other films that are in a similar kind of bracket. Um, I kind of think of that um, that film with Chris Hemsworth where they, the title escapes me now, but where they sort of do leading a charge with horses on the side of the mountain. And, and there've been a couple of these kind of uh, um, war films with, with a thriller aspect and a bit of action. And yeah, that's John Krasinski. I think he's he's a great actor. He's very charming, and uh, he's doing a great job. And uh, it's really cool to see him up there. At number six, The Irishman. They still sort of got it. You know, it's uh, Al Pacino, it's Robert De Niro, it's Martin Scorsese, and Joe Pesci. You know, these guys are like uh, luminaries when it comes to gangster films in Hollywood. I was really shocked to hear that uh, this was the first time Al Pacino was actually working with Scorsese. I mean. They've both been in Hollywood for decades, and for them not to have crossed paths just seemed like a crazy thing to happen. Um, a lot of uh, Oscar hopes put on this film. It's one of the biggest kind of losers in the way that it was nominated, I think, for 10 or 11 Oscars and won none. I thought that uh, Robert De Niro did a great job. You know, his sort of uh, CG around his movement could have been a little bit better, um, you know, with him playing such a a wide range of ages. Um, I think they kind of didn't quite work there, but I really enjoyed this film. And even at three hours, I thought it was terrific and uh, a little bit sad that it didn't um, pull more Oscar gold on the night. And uh, I thought it was great to see a return to form for Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. But then again, you know, it's one of those films on a streaming platform. It should have actually gone into cinema for a limited release, if, if just that, I think. Uh, but it's one of those those game changers that um, is probably going to be affecting how we see the streaming industry and when it comes to Oscar nominations and, you know, obviously they've proved their worth and their metal with films like Roma and things like that. But The Irishman was just a, a, a chance for Scorsese to put his hand up to show what he can do uh, once again. And I thought it was great that they actually had that opportunity and that he was able to have that liberty to kind of uh, make the movie he really wanted to make. So I really loved that film and uh, I'm glad that it's in the top 10 and I'm pretty sure that most people probably would have adopted that meme where it broke the film down into several episodes rather than having to watch it in one go. At number five, Murder Mystery. You know, the whodunits are back. We've got Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston who were a great team in Just Go With It. And it's kind of cool to see them doing something again, produced by Charlie Saron. And I think also just a, a signal that people are interested in murder mysteries. Knives Out was a great film. Daniel Craig really turning up the heat in that one. And uh, it's just showing there's an, like, an interest in that kind of film again. Uh, we've seen a lot of 80s stuff kind of being remade. And maybe it's because the filmmakers that were kids and influenced at that time are now growing up and into these roles where they can actually... Uh, wield some of that power to to decide and be inspired by stuff that they were inspired by as kids. So that's kind of an interesting cycle. And then at number four, we've got Six Underground. Ryan Reynolds knows Deadpool. <laughs> he 
is an actor who is just so darn charming that uh, he sort of comes through the, the ranks of comedy, but has realized that there's still a place for him in action comedy. And this Six Underground, it kind of was almost like Michael Bay was trying to put together a, a new kind of franchise in the way of Fast and Furious, which is still going strong. And obviously show there's, shows there's a market for that kind of film out there, even though they're sort of gravitating towards becoming like a James Bond meets Micro Machines type of thing with uh, more of the recent entries. And uh, Ryan Reynolds, you know, you can kind of watch him do just about anything. And I think Deadpool's definitely converted him to that other side of the spectrum when it comes to action. Obviously, Green Lantern was out there and he has got some uh, experience as a superhero, even with uh, playing Weapon X in uh, the Wolverine movie. So he's always been sort of uh, nipping at the, the edges there. But now we can say that he's completely graduated. Uh, Six Underground, a very sort of over-the-top kind of brash, loud, co like colorful, um, excessive kind of film, as we've come to expect from Michael Bay. And uh, yeah, it sort of didn't quite do it for me. I really wanted to to get into it and enjoy it. And I just felt as though it wasn't playing to, to Reynolds' strengths and uh, Michael Bay, not his best entry. It kind of felt like uh, there was a lot of hype, but it didn't have much follow through. Then at number three, Spencer Confidential. In Mark Wahlberg, we trust. I mean, this guy is just the everyman. He's been in so many different films um, that, uh, and he's just been great. Like in most of the stuff he does, he's committed. He's the kind of guy you'd want to grab a beer with. He's uh, so accessible and uh, he just gives it horns. You know, he's, he's a great guy and we believe that and we kind of are happy to spend two hours with him in just about anything, whether he's dealing with a talking bear or if he's sort of um, trying to save an oil rig. Uh, he is the guy and uh it's just wonderful to be able to to just watch any mark Wahlberg film these days you know you're in for like at least a seven out of ten kind of experience uh so he's he's done a great job in that and uh his partnerships over the years have proved quite fruitful i didn't really enjoy the the angle with the transformers that he was going for that was probably trying to save that whole franchise because it's just become much more over the top in recent years and michael bay we just mentioned so yeah, Spencer Confidential, not the greatest uh, Mark Wahlberg outing, but uh, probably up there at number three because uh, everyone just uh, loves what he's got to offer and how he does it. Then at number two, which is quite a surprise hit based on the content, but not really all that surprising since uh, it had just followed A Quiet Place and obviously shows that people really love the concept of A Quiet Place. It's Bird Box with Sandra Bullock. She is a phenomenal actress and that obviously also uh, drew a lot of interest for this film and the five senses you know in a quiet place it was just you know um, very still and all that kind of thing in a bird box it's all about uh, not seeing stuff so there's a similar sensory kind of thing at play here and I think it got a lot of publicity because of the concept and a great trailer but it really didn't follow through. I mean, it just feels as though they were setting up for a series and then salvaged it by turning it into a film. And I don't know where they are with a sequel, but it just, uh, yeah, it didn't quite, it was underwhelming. It started off quite well. It had a, an interesting premise and uh, it was quite edgy in its own way. But uh, yeah, it just kind of got a bit muddled at the end of the day. And then at the number one, Chris Killsworth in Extraction. 
Hemsworth is best known for Thor. He's got a lot of um, draw, and uh, this is kind of exemplified in extraction. It's been compared to John Wick. There's a lot of uh, kills in this movie, and uh, I think John Wick could be described as like action ballet in a way, the choreography of the action and the gunplay. And, uh, you know, extraction is on a similar level. It's it's just a whole lot of, there's a, a really high body count and it's done with quite a lot of uh, energy and and uh, it just shows you that uh, overall these blockbuster kind of films are are quite mixed and quite interesting in terms of going from the the range of the Irishman, which is three hours and a gangster epic, to a film like The Wrong Missy with David Spade, which is just this lightweight comedy. Um, but it it does also show you that a lot of the the entries here are not necessarily quality dependent. Uh, I think a lot of people still judge their their viewing decisions based on on stars. So the star system is alive and well in Netflix and the streaming world. And I think that uh, obviously massive marketing campaigns behind these things, because you've got a captive audience who are just checking onto the um, Netflix home screen, that you're always going to be able to sort of push the next big thing to them. And so you've kind of got a captive audience in that way. And I think a lot of that has had its bearing on uh, what people decide to to watch. So all of these titles you would have seen on your home screen at some point. And uh, I don't quite know how they adjust the weighting of each of them when it comes out. But in the first four weeks, obviously, that's going to be pushed quite a lot more than some of the other original titles they've got going. And uh, yeah, just a, an interesting mix, having the platform there, which is... Uh, a much lower budget film than all of the rest. Uh, kind of reminds you of Paranormal Activity, obviously not on such a shoestring budget as that, but just having that kind of viral uh, explosiveness in terms of being able to reach a whole lot of people. So yeah, it's an interesting mix and that is what their top 10 is. Catch you next time.